Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. Luke, chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? of repentance, do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked them, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. Word of God for us this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity to praise your name, to join together and sing songs to your glory, to get together to pray for each other and with each other and for those who are in need. We ask, O oh Lord, on this day that you will continue to bless us as we uh, hear this word and that, O oh Lord, you will continue to be with all those that were affected by those natural disasters. We say a special prayer for those who lost loved ones. And we ask you, Lord, simply to accompany them right now in their grief. Bring comfort to their hearts and remind them that you are still there. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We know that John the Baptist came as one who was to prepare the way of the Lord, to prepare the way for Jesus. He was the one that was out there in the wilderness trying to sound the alarm that the Lord was coming, that the Messiah was on the way, that the kingdom of God was at hand. And his ministry was one that was very single-focused. Repent, turn to God, make your path straight, for the kingdom of God is at hand. For it is time right now to get right with God. John offered his followers baptism in the Jordan River, 
as a sign that they had committed themselves to this repentance, as a sign that they were willing to have their sins washed away and that they wanted to live a different life with God. Now, we have all heard of the tragedies and the devastation that happened in the Midwest with the tornadoes and the storms. It is hard to look at the images. I don't know how many of you saw them, but to have your whole town, your whole community flattened, to have so many lives lost, to see just how severe and powerful and incredible the destructive force of nature can be. It was especially difficult to see the churches with no roofs and to see all of those churches destroyed. The storms were so powerful and so incredible that nothing in their path seemed to, to get out unscathed. If you had been paying attention during the last week to the news, you would have heard weather person after weather person get on the news and say, there are some incredible conditions coming into play and the, the chance for severe storms is very, very high. They had started to study the weather patterns and seen that this cold front and this other stuff was all going to kind of come to a head at one point and that the chances of things getting really, really bad were extremely high. And so they began to sound the warning and as we know, they began to track all of the storms as they popped up. And if, you, if you've ever watched the radar, you know, you, you, you kind of, they kind of draw a line to show you where the storm is going to go, where they predict the storm is going. And every meteorologist in the area and throughout the nation began to track all of this potential bad weather. In many towns, the early warning systems had tornado sirens go off. Sometimes 20, 30 minutes before the storm actually hit in the area. Early warning systems like this saved countless lives. If it wasn't for, as, as uh, Ren was pointing out, if it wasn't for our technology of knowing how to predict weather, who knows how many thousands of lives would have been lost in these series of storms. But because we had those early warning systems, because there was an alarm sounded, because there was information going out, many people sought shelter. Many people were aware that the storms were coming and did their best to survive them. I share with you today because our scripture today talks to us about John the Baptist. The Christian early warning system. You see, John went out in the desert warning people that the wrath of God was coming, that judgment would come. He warned them that it was time to get right with God, and he was in a crusade to make sure as many people as possible heard about what was coming. He wanted everybody to know that you needed to get right with God because the Messiah was about to show up. He wanted people to repent before it was too late because there is a point at which it's too late. You know, if, if you waited until the storm was right on top of you to try to seek shelter, 
it was too late. There was nowhere to go because the devastation was so widespread. And what John the Baptist was saying was, it's going to be terrible for those who don't repent of their sins. You need to do it now because there will be a point where it will be too late. And John was not into popularity. He didn't care what people thought about him, clearly, because he was wearing camel's hair and eating locust and honey. He didn't care if they liked him or not. He didn't sugarcoat the message and try to make it sound all, all nice and fluffy. He simply told it like it was because he was more concerned about people being saved than about people liking him or people liking what he say. He didn't want anybody to be surprised when this happened. He wanted them to be prepared. If you watch the news, you also heard that they told you exactly what to do in case of a storm, don't they? They don't just tell you a storm is coming. They tell you if you're in your home, find a bathroom, find an enclosed space, have a basement, go to the basement. They give you directions on how to survive the storm if you're caught in it. And what John was doing is he was giving the people what they needed to know in order to survive the wrath that was to come. Well, people came. They came from all walks of life and for all groups within, within the Jewish tradition. They came out to the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John's welcome to them was this. You brood of vipers who warned you of the wrath to come. I don't recommend that if you're trying to garner favor your audience. But that's what he told them. And he said that to them. He said, who warned you from the wrath to come? And the obvious answer that they would have said was, well, you did. You're the one that's been ringing the alarm. You're the one that has been proclaiming that there's something out here that we need to listen to and to know. You're the one that has been inviting us out here. But you see, John was trying to keep it real. He knew who was in his audience. He knew there were some there that were out of, there out of curiosity just to see what was going on because everybody else was checking John out. He knew there were some people there who were Pharisees who thought they were righteous because of all the things that they did following the law and the traditions and the commandments. He knew there were some Sadducees in there that... In following the law, even though they didn't care that much about all the other traditions, and they didn't believe in angels or resurrection. He knew that all of these people were there thinking, we are Israelites, we are Jews, we are okay. We're spared from anything because we're God's people. And because of that, that's why he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you of the wrath to come? Why have you come out here why are you here right now? Don't you know that even now, God can raise children of Abraham out of stones? The axe is at the root of the tree and ready to be cut down. The, the tree was, was the Jews, was the Israelites, was the nation of Israel. He's saying that the axe is at the root, ready to cut it down. And he tells them the reason, because... They have not 
they, they did not bear good fruit. And those trees that don't bear good fruit get cut down and thrown into the fire. Well, when you hear that you're going to burn, it gets your attention, right? It gets you thinking, uh, I might not want that. <laughs> That's not something that I want to happen to me. And the people started wondering, okay, if that's what's coming, what do we do? They said, what should we do? What they were saying was, is there a way to survive the wrath of God? And the short answer is no, there really isn't. But is there a way through it? There is. John responded, whoever has two coats must share with one who has none, and whoever has food likewise. This was his first general advice. Now, why would he give them this advice? Why would he say that? Because he was trying to get them to understand that everybody needs to put people ahead of things. That they needed to love people more than they love their stuff. That they needed to love others as they loved themselves, that these were part of the great commandments that God had given us. The general advice was that they needed to be able to share the blessing that they had received, that the blessing that they had been given was for the purpose of blessing others. You know, when God gave the promise to Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you, and through you, I'm going to bless all the nations. It wasn't just, I'm going to bless you, just sit back Enjoy the blessing. It was, I'm going to bless you so you can bless the nations. And so when, when John is answering this question, he's basically saying, learn to love others, to give to others, to share with others. But then particular people started coming up to be baptized, and the tax collectors came and said, well, what should we do? What's your advice for us? And he said to the tax collector, well, just don't collect more than is prescribed to you. Don't add yourself a little tip on top of the bill when you charge the tax. He said this because co collectors of taxes back then were usually accompanied by what? Two soldiers. Standing at either side. If the, if the tax collector said, you owe 120, even though you know you owed 100, guess how much you were paying? 120. Because they had the authority and the power of the state behind them. They had that soldier standing next to them that was going to make sure you paid whatever the tax collector said. And so they cheated people all the time. This is why nobody liked tax collectors back then. It was, it was, you know, imagine that the person from the IRS calls you up and says, you know what, you paid your taxes last year, but I show here that you owe 10% because I need a new job. I need a new car. I need to fix my pool, so you owe 10% more. Pay up. That's what they were doing. Their power and their influence was so big that it was abused. And John basically said, you got to stop doing it. You got to just charge what is prescribed. 
You've got to change your life to one of honesty and integrity because that's dishonest, and God does not like that. Soldiers came up as well and said, hey, what should we do? Now, that's a tough one because what does a soldier do? Fight wars, defend the peace, use the sword. It's a tough job. Anybody who served in the military knows it's a, it's a tough calling to, to be in the military, to serve, because you know at some point you might be asked to take a life or to enforce the rules, and it can get tough. And so the soldiers come up and say, what should we do? And his answer is, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations and be satisfied with your wages. So what was happening here is the soldiers in this time were empowered by the Roman Empire. And if you weren't a Roman citizen, the soldiers could basically do anything they wanted to you and there was not a lot of recourse. They could go, oh, you're a Jew? Guess what? I'll throw you in jail and call you a revolutionary. Or I'll throw you in jail and say you were inciting the peace. I'll throw you in jail and say you were trying to steal from Caesar unless you pay up. So they were using their power and their influence. They were using their position to be able to extort money from people at times when they didn't have anything because somebody was honest and fair, they made stuff up. They bared false witness against the person. You ever heard of planting evidence? They did it back then. They just said, oh, he had a, he had a sword. That's why I had to kill him. You know, they went against their oath of protecting and they took advantage of the people. And John invited them to a new life as well. He said, don't lie about things. Don't use force or threats to coerce money out of people. Be satisfied with your wages. And that phrase, satisfied with your wages, has stuck with me. And the reason is, so often, the grass is always greener on the other side for us. So often we don't find a way to be satisfied and happy with the blessings that we have already received as we're asking for more. And it's so important for us to know and to celebrate where we are and what we have and what God has already done instead of always focusing on what we want more of. You know, our culture is one of capitalism and capitalism teaches what? More for me, more for me, more for me. And when I have more, I want more for me. But Christianity is countercultural. It says that when I have, it's so that I can bless others. It says that when I have, I need to share. It says that when I have, I need to be a blessing to those in need. And it says that even that which I have belongs to God and not to me. That's a radical way of thinking about our stuff. Thinking and knowing that it's really God's stuff. Well, when John told them that, I'm sure that some of them wondered, how I still need a new yacht. I still need a new pool. 
But he was trying to tell them, I want you to change your life. I want you to change the way you look at the way you live your lives and why you do things the way you do. He is inviting those soldiers to become honest and have integrity in everything that they did. And he was inviting them to enjoy what they had as a celebration of God's goodness and provision. But when the people started hearing all that John had to say, they began to wonder, is this the one that we've been waiting for? Is this the Messiah? Is this the one that's to lead us in, 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 in restored? You know, it's, it's so interesting that this is what they thought as John is telling them about the wrath of God coming. They think maybe this guy is the Messiah. And John stopped them right away. John, remember, John didn't want people to look at him he wanted to point to Jesus the whole time. He said, no, 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 wait, wait a second. I am not he. I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not even worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the, his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his granary. But the shaft, the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. Once again, what is John doing? He's sounding the alarm. He's telling them, God is coming. And when he comes, there is going to be some accounting for our lives, for how we've lived, for what we believe, for whether we put our faith into practice. He's letting them know that this is not a if, but when. You know, sometimes we don't preach about that enough in church. We don't tell people the reality. Hell is real. Heaven is real. And you get to pick which one you end up in based on your faith. But that faith has to be lived out. It can't just be lip service. We can't just say, oh, I love the poor and then leave them be poor. I love the hungry, but not feed the hungry. I can't say I believe in a God who wants me to bless others and then keep everything for myself. We got to produce fruit worthy of our repentance. And that's what John was trying to get them to understand. He said, the wheat is going to be separated, it's going to be put in the granary, but you know what happens to the chaff? The chaff is not the fruit. The shaft is what's left over. The shaft is burned. It's burned in the unquenchable fire. The warning by John is so strong. But it's because he wanted to save as many as possible. He wanted as many as possible to heed his warning. Much like a storm's early warning system, John was telling the people the time to act is not two hours from now, it's not two days from now, it's not a week from now, it's now. The time to repent, the time to turn to God, the time to do things is now. Don't wait until it's too late. As I watched the news coverage of everything that happened, the man came on to be interviewed standing in front of what used to be his house as a completely flattened property. Nothing, not, not one brick standing on another, just everything flat behind him. 
As he was being interviewed, he said he watched the news and he saw the radar tracking the storm and he saw the line go directly through his town. And he said that when he realized that the storm was going directly through his town, he grabbed whatever he could, jumped in his car, and drove out of the path of the storm. He returned, and everything was gone. Everything he owned was gone. But in running away and heeding the warning, he had saved his life. What John was saying is, if you listen to this warning, if you heed this warning, if you give up everything you own and follow Jesus, you will save your life. The scripture says that those who lose their lives will save it. This is what it's talking about, giving everything up, walking away from everything, and getting out of the way of the wrath of God and accepting the righteousness of Jesus Christ so that when that day comes, you can stand before him clothed in Jesus' righteousness and his alone. John was trying to warn as many people as he could. He wanted them to act now. But he wanted them to understand that this was not just a lip service opportunity. He said, if you really want to turn towards God, then that means that you have to change the way you live. And that's why he told the soldiers and that's why he told the tax collectors exactly what kind of changes they needed to make. He wanted them to understand that faith is practical faith. It has to be put into action in the things we do. It can't just see the things we say. It's got to be followed by actions that show that our faith is real and radical and that's what it was for John. He was willing to give it all up to point people to Jesus. He wanted them to be saved. And that meant that they needed to bear fruits worthy of their repentance. My question for us today is this. If John was here today to meddle with our lives and to tell it like it is, what would he ask us to stop doing? And what would he ask us to start doing so that we could flee from the wrath to come? Because I believe that John's words are not just for, for that time 2,000 years ago. I believe John's words are still the warning sound for our lives to get right with God before it's too late. I believe that right now it's being heard loud and clear as we are being told the time is drawing near for the return of the Lord and you need to be right with God. How would John ask us to live differently and would we be willing to do it? Would we be willing to do it? That man was willing to leave everything behind, get on his vehicle and drive away to save his life. Are we willing to leave everything behind to follow Jesus? If Jesus asked us right now, would you give it all up, would we say yes? 
Everybody needed to find a safe place when the storms hit. But the reality is that in the path of the storm, there really wasn't very many safe places, were there? John was saying the only safe place from the wrath of God is in the hands of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The only place that is safe for you is to leave everything behind and follow Jesus. That way you can be saved. That way you can bear fruit. That way you can live in righteousness. End of story. Will we turn to God and repent of all of our sins? And will we bear fruit worthy of that repentance? That is for us to answer today before the Lord. The altar is going to be open as we pray over that. If there's anything that you need to just pour out before the Lord, you can come to the altar. You can come to the reserve section and pray by yourself. Or you can come to this side and have our prayer team pray for you. But if there's anything at all in your heart that you need to just give to the Lord, this is the day to do it. Don't wait until tomorrow. How many people thought, oh, that storm isn't coming my way and ended up dying in that storm? There's a lot of people out there that think, oh, Jesus will come one day, but not tomorrow. But they don't know if he'll be here tomorrow. Don't wait. Do it today.